stomping my foot to the beat of the latest episode of the Whatever Buddy Podcast. As we like to say, welcome back. This week shall be a fun one. As usual, Ryan and Johnny dive into interesting, shitty topics. Johnny's instant karma. And last but not least, they dive into the world of documentaries with the one and only Decline of Western Civilization series. What was it like? Well, we shall find out when we are joined by the one and only Nader D. Priest, vocalist from the legendary band London. So stand up, grab some spandex, a little hairspray, don't forget your eyeliner guy liner, and welcome Ryan and Johnny. going buddy yeah I'm tired got your papers <laughs> gonna tap tap on them papers for me well, i only need one now because this is all the interviews yeah Dude, you look so arrogant right now i'm so tired man second That's podcast crazy. in a row you're being arrogant just come on man what are you talking about i'm not being arrogant just leaning back reading your papers what would you like me to do? Lean forward in front of the microphone? Yeah, I can't hear you now. That's perfect. <laughs> oh, wow. Awesome. Ah, shit. Okay. Hey, I got to send you another link, bud. I'll explain, okay? Sit tight. I'm going to send you another link. I think I'm going to cry right now. I just sat on my fucking glasses. How'd you do that? I stood up and I was a fucking idiot and put them down on my fucking seat. Came back, forgot they were on my seat. Why I put them on the seat? They haven't broken off completely. You being a glasses guy, is there a way I can salvage this before I fucking completely break off? I don't know. I can't see how they're bent. Is it bent on the plastic look, or is it bent look, on like look, the metal? Uh, I can't see. In all reality, <laughs> we might have gotten this whole segment with my glasses it's an instant karma segment see i wasn't going to tell you but now i have to see you put me on hold by saying i will send you a new link yeah i'm like okay so when we get off my shit's all running i'm like all right now i'm gonna really piss you off and i thought it'd be really funny if you never saw it coming that you're just going through this stuff and then all of a sudden there's just like fucking crazy drums going on right so, I would have just thought that you were playing drums, dude. <laughs> you right. were doing that so, to piss me off. Well, I thought it would be really loud. I tried to use a lot of symbols. I tried to do all this as obnoxious stuff as I could. Yeah, it's going to be very so loud. So I guess when, when, I, when I stood up, I'm like, this is going to be great. And it's all on video and audio. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to do this. And I put my glasses down on my seat. And then I came back and it's that feeling, you know, that feeling, that feeling of like when you sit down and you know, you just sat on your glasses and you're like, no, well, I've never sat on my happened. glasses because I would never put my glasses on a chair that I intended Dude, to no lie. Third time this happened to me, <laughs> not just this first time with this pair, but I've broken two, like straight up broken and had to fucking gaff tape the fucking piece on. The only thing that would be better is if you had to gaff tape the middle. I've never had a gaff tape the middle. But like the, the point is, instant karma is with his white with his white tape. And right, his right, right. Revenge of the nerds. Right, right. The the instant karma point of all this is, I went to go annoy you and yeah. came back and in return sat on my glasses. Instant so karma. then, follow me. You're this week's dummy. 
Yep. Yo, dummy. Yo, dummy. Let me just tell you something. I didn't wear glasses. I'm not an educated glasses guy. You know what else? Let's talk about another thing that's uneducated. Dogs. I don't know anything about dogs. I've never been a dog guy. Never owned a dog. So lately, I've been trying to help out. Um, with my, my, my girl's dogs, they need to go for a walk. And this is a true story. This happened to me two weeks ago and talk about pissing me off. And once again, instant karma. I don't even know how this is karma. I must have fucking done something wrong this day. But the reality of it is I walked the dog, the dog had the shits. I picked up the shit. No big deal. Right? So the dog's older. So I got to lift him up and carry him. I guess when I picked him up to carry him, he must have dropped the fucking load on the ground and I didn't see it because I instantly stepped in it. Didn't even know it walked all the way up the stairs to realize how is it that there's a whole fucking trail of, oh, of shoe print, poop, poop, shoe print up the stairs and then I look at my my shoe and I didn't just step in it dude like it was like fucking straight on in the heart of a wet hot steamy piece of dog poop talk about ruining a day talk about ruining a pair of shoes no 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 they're good my my, oh, my girl it. it. it's still on there it's still on there look look the, yeah it's still on there you Where still you got turd on your shoe bottom? dude All you right, still got well, turd then. on your shoe right there then, then I'm turd shoe, okay? Yeah. Johnny, the turd, Johnny, turd shoe, shoe, you. You. You know what else bothers me is when people don't clean up after your dogs. You ever watch somebody? Oh, dude, this is actually oh, a fucking great story. they do that story. in my neighborhood. This dude, check this out. Dude, check. Go ahead, please. Please. I want to hear what you I were going to say. This is a fucking great story. So dog shit and people lack of cleaning up their, their, their dog shit is my pet peeve of this week. And... The deal, that, all right, so, all right, I live, you know, Chandler Boulevard, and I I, uh, I I walk to the grocery store all the time, or back in the days when I was smoking cigarettes, I'd go out to the, the you know, the mobile and get me some, you know, some camel lights or whatever, camel blues in the uh, later days. I used to see this couple, or at least I thought a couple, it turned out they were just like really great, like they were basically best, fr- best friends, but they were boy and a girl. They had these two ginormous, like, uh, like hounds. Yeah, they were really big. Big and they, they they were just slobber on you, but they were so loving. And yeah, like a so Scottish like, wolfhound. They're like they're yeah, shockingly yeah, tall. Yeah. And then with that 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 dog, they had the tiniest little you know Chihuahua looking thing, whose name was Biggie Smalls, which I thought was hilarious because <laughs> he's the tiniest little thing next to these ginormous dogs. So I became friends with these people because I'd see them walking these dogs all the time. And the way the way my place is set up is like I live in an apartment amongst a, a whole row of like really nice houses and neighborhoods. And they lived in one of the neighborhood streets, like right down the street from my, my uh, house. So I would see them and I became friends with them because how do you not notice these ginormous dogs and Biggie Smalls? So uh, I would walk with them, you know, it was great. This would happen for a couple of years. Then one day, dude, I see the, the, the really big dog take a shit right there on the grass. And then I see them walk away without picking it up. Now I'm talking like, dude, remember, remember J J laws, dogs, they, they would, they were like, like massive piles of, of, of poop. It's a giant dog. Go. Right. This was a massive pile of poop. Now I had already it's seen a giant them. Dog. Let, I'd already seen them let Biggie Smalls leave a joint size turd on the sidewalk and just like scoot it off. And I was like, oh, that's a joint size turd. But that joint size roll. turd is what gets on my skateboard when I'm fucking skating over to the, get a pack of smokes. That, t- that happened and I, it's all come together. So I see this ginormous turd. 
He doesn't pick it up. This is after like hanging out with these people three years, like just randomly, not hanging, hanging, but like seeing them. And I'm like, yo, man. And I call him out on it. I'm like, you're going to pick that up? And he goes, no. And no, it's not. <laughs> and I just left it. And he walks and we kept walking. I've never talked another word to those people after that. Have week. you seen them? I've, we've seen each other and we both turned the other way when we've seen each other from a distance. Oh, so you called them out. And they didn't like it. Yeah. And then yeah. on the flip side, you yeah, didn't yeah. like the character you were dealing with. Right. And, and you know what else? But you know what else happened? They stopped walking their dogs near my place. Well, that's good. You won't run over their dog shit. I won't run over the dog shit. I won't have to deal with their bullshit. But it's how disrespectful, man. Like I put people that don't clean up their dog shit in the same category as people that don't return the grocery cart. Oh man, yeah. it's the same. It's the already. same thing. So, you don't pick up the dog shit. Somebody walks by, steps in the dog shit. You don't put your grocery cart back. Your grocery cart catches the wind, ends up hitting someone's car. Yeah, the, the only difference is this, though. No, no, no. You got the point with the car. Never mind. My theory's out the window. I was just gonna say, I feel like dog shit yeah. and the car being in my way is a, is a is a, uh, apples and oranges, but no, they're, they're oranges and oranges. I just out talked the talker on this podcast. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, well, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, if those people, you know, I don't know whatever happened to them. I, and I hope you, you know, I know that he was, he was trying to pass the bar. I hope you passed the bar, dude. I hope, I hope you did well. I hope you're a successful lawyer now. Yeah. It's been a couple of years since this has happened, you know? Um, and for her, I hope she's doing well. And Biggie Smalls, I hope you're carrying the troops along as you normally do. I don't wish bad on those people. I just, after Neither they do don't I. pick up, after they don't pick up their dog shit, I hope they sit on their glasses. Well, I just, uh, whoa, I just sat on my glasses. Well, Ryan Harris, today we're going to talk about Decline of Western Civilization. Yes. It's a movie. For those people who don't know. It's a documentary. Uh, it's probably a, a chance. It's a documentary. It's a very famous documentary amongst, the, I guess, music lovers. Certain music lovers love this documentary. And, and people in general would love this documentary. It's it's very entertaining. It's uh, There's a whole series uh, called Decline of Western Civilization. It's three parts. Three part? Right? Yeah, 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 three part. Part one, part two, and part three, which uh, equals the, the three part, which also equals a trilogy of sorts. Ooh, I like the word trilogy. A, tri a trifecta of docs. It's a rock doc trilogy. It's a rock jack trifecta of trilogies. <laughs> Try yeah. that again because I like that better. If you I, said I, it I don't know how to do that again. <laughs> I just did it. But it's the rock doc trifecta of trilogies. Did you say? Part one is about the late seventies, early eighties punk rock music scene in Los Angeles, California. Part two is about the eighties metal glam music scene in Los Angeles, California. Part three, I'm still trying to figure it out, but I'm pretty sure it's about squatters who play in the punk, underground punk rock scene of Los Angeles, California in the 90s. Yeah, three, three lost me a little bit, but the first two are good. At the, at the time I saw part one, I had seen part two. I seen part two a lot in my life. We'll get to part two. because Part two is exciting because our guest today is from part two. But part one, Levon Webb, the lead singer of The Knives, he got me in to part one because he told me he was really a big Hollywood history buff. Like that was his deal. Like he like 
he's really into old Hollywood. And I learned a lot. It, it taught me so much about the city of L.A. What was what was part one like for you? Yeah, I mean, you're going the whole historic side of it. But for me, it was just like kind of learning about punk music because my start with music was more rock based. So uh, learning about the you punk and me side both. I mean, those dudes. They lived it. I mean, they're legends today. If you lift off yeah. some of these bands that are on there, what you got Black Flag, Circle Jerks, Germs, Fear. How about the foresight to go and videotape that and capture that when it was happening? Like they're legendary yeah, yeah. today, yeah. not because of that documentary, but because of what they did for music. Part two is the one that I saw first, though. Me too. Yeah. Me too. I think for a lot of us. And dude, I, I saw part two at a really young age. Like, you know, a little history about the, the Johnny U in the third person, as I like to say. Uh, my brother got me into music at a really young age. So I, I saw decline really young. For me, when I first saw it, it was like, this is crazy. This is like, not, not crazy, like just outlandish. It, the Sunset Strip, late 80s rock and metal scene was definitely visual. It had a lot of unique characters and the documentary caught them on camera. And hopefully we'll get to, you know, get to, to get to learn from some of this when, when Nader D. Priest, our guest for the day, the singer of the band London, which we will talk about in a moment as well, he'll be joining us and he was part of that scene. But like the fact that you hear about people just like Sunset Boulevard, you couldn't you couldn't walk down the streets. It was so packed on both sides of the streets. Yeah. With bands handing out flyers and just tons of people going in and out of every club. Like everybody wanted to be part of something. Like everybody's like, oh, what are you doing? Well, obviously we're going down to the rainbow or we're going to the sunset. Like that's what they did. There was all sorts of bands. People came from all over. This is what we learned in the documentary. People came from everywhere, all parts of the world to be part of this scene. Not every band made it. That's the thing. In this documentary, you see some bands that do make it. Poison, Aerosmith, uh, Ozzy Osbourne, Kiss. Kiss. Um, and you do see... Lemmy. Lemmy. Those are the bands that made it. But there's way more bands and people who did not succeed. And... In this documentary, I, can, I don't know about you, right? But for me, there's times where I just, I'm like, oh, that hurts to watch because you just, you see things where you're like, man, like, you know, there, there, there's dreamers and doers, Ryan Harris. Yeah, and you it, know it, it, it catches that spectrum. It catches the spectrum all the way from talking to Steven Tyler and Joe Perry, who were successful before this documentary. It's not saying this documentary had anything to do with their success but it ranges from that all the way down to like somebody they probably just saw walking down the street and was like hey you look unique let's talk to you they must have just walked down the street and did exactly what you said yeah some of these people are just fucking out of their minds and you know some of it like you also wonder if it's staged you know what i mean like uh this video that that, that uh, we're going to share and and you'll be able to listen to we are not going to talk over it so you can hear what these people are saying these are people who are in bands or fans of bands in this documentary that make you go, I wonder where they are today. Ryan, hit it. The decline of Western civilization. Do you think that you're going to be a rock star? Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm going to be famous rock star. Yeah. Yeah. So I want to be a rock star. Kind of be a rock star. I'm going to be a rock star. I am going to be. I mean, I wouldn't mind being a you know, rock star or nothing. <laughs> As long as rock star is defined as rich and 
rich. I think that it'll come pretty easily for me, you know, because I'm different from everyone else. What if you don't make it as a rock star? Oh, I will. But what if you don't? In 10 years, what are you going to be doing? See, I, I will, though, see. What if you don't make it? I, but I will. I will make it. For sure. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to quit until I do. The main key is perseverance, and I will persevere. That question is not in my mind. The minute you doubt is the minute you lose it. What if I don't make it? I'll find a vacant drainage ditch or something and lay my bed down. I don't know. I end up on Skid Row or something. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be. Doesn't it worry you? No. Unlike him, though, it really doesn't enter my mind. <laughs> I, have, I can't really... I can't picture not making it. You, you see, if you came and hurt us, you'd, you'd really... You'd think the same thing, too. So in the documentary, London, for those who don't know, London is a band that's been around forever. Nikki Six from Motley Crue started the band with Lizzie Gray, who is in uh, London as well. They started the band together. Um, Nikki Six went on to start Motley Crue. From Guns N' Roses, Izzy Stradlin, Slash, and Steven Adler all at some point or another played in London. Uh, Tony Richards, the original drummer for the band Wasp, played in London. Speaking of Wasp, Blackie Lawless from Wasp played in London. Fred Curry, the drummer from Cinderella, played in London. Am I forgetting any, Ryan? It's a pretty good list. And we're probably forgetting some, too. Mick Jagger once played in London. <laughs> Allegedly. <laughs> London's been around. They, 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 they paid their dues. But the singer is Nader DePriest, and he is coming up now. So, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome the one and only Nader DePriest. Nader. Check your Nader. Not Tokyo, not Paris, perhaps Stockholm, nah, just Los Angeles, ladies and gentlemen, from the band London, Nader D. Priest. Hey, 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 hey. Si I can sideways. turn sideways, not a problem, I got this. <laughs> we got this. All right, well, I see you hey, upside hey. down. <laughs> yeah. What's up, Nader? Yeah, What's you're up? sideways. We... I, I didn't have a drink or anything, so I know that's upside down. Maybe that's the problem. Come on. There we go. There we go. There we go. All right. What's up, man? Good to see you guys. Thank you for having me and, uh, and doing all this. This this is amazing to me. First, I got, I got to say, um, this is how this all happened. For those out there listening... I watched Decline of Western Civilization a few months ago for like the hundredth time. And I came out and told my roommate that I had just gotten done watching it. And he says to me, oh, no shit. He goes, I have a London record. So I was like, oh, wow, that's crazy. Let me look at it. And it was the first album. And I, uh, I, I pull it out and I'm like, I'm like, oh, my God, it, it's a test pressing. Uh, and like being a musician, Ryan and I, a little, little history for you is Ryan and I playing a band together. So we understand what like a test pressing for your was it nonstop rock is that was that yes, the name of the record? Which yes, which is you know that's a really really like uh, you know really weird that that landed like that because 
back then, man, the whole story of making them nonstop rock was, it was just a fucking struggle the whole time. And, uh, I don't think I even had a test pressing. And if I did, I don't remember it. Uh, and anything that's left over, it really is scraps now. You know, like you got to find, and that was a big find. Yeah, no, but, and it was just like, I knew what that would mean. Like if somebody, like, so I went out of my way and I was like, I got to find this guy. And I, I found him on Instagram. I emailed him and uh, he got back to me. And we made it happen. So this is amazing. And this is Nadir DePriest. Thank you so much for doing it. And I, I don't think that people really go out of their way to do that for bands. Uh, I don't remember anyone calling me and say, hey, you know, we found like an old condom of yours and shit. You don't want this shit running <laughs> DNA like out that, there. That you can we keep. found a fucking, you know, somebody who says you have a kid or something. Get that call, you know. I think this is a great a little piece of thing. Uh, we played a show together, and you don't even know. Where? I, I didn't even realize it. We did a Sunset Music Sunset Fest. Sunset Street Music Fest. Oh, that with the yeah. Motley Crue headliner. Yeah. yeah, we were on the Roxy stage. We were at the Roxy. You guys were at the Whiskey. <laughs> yeah, we were, at, we were at the Whiskey, right. There's so much I want to learn about, like not just London, but just like your journey, the times back then, the times today. There's just so much stuff I want to know, and just being able to talk to you and have you here because when I was a kid, I have my brother was nine years older than me, and, and God rest his soul, he got me into music. He was a drummer like myself, and um, I, I was into music at a really, really early age. And like I've been watching Decline since I was a, like a little fucking kid. So to like, this is surreal to me in so many fucking ways. And now that I got my fanboy shit out of the way, we can move forward. But I, I had to let you know that this is awesome for me that's awesome well it's great that yeah. you remember and that was a good thing because you know i just remember that that whole period with the movie being you know like a blur you know like everything was so fast and everything was jack daniels and everything else that came with it and everything was so different feeling you know I, you didn't feel the struggle it was great so i'm glad that it was at least in some form something positive uh, for you I don't know if you knew, if you got to see that uh, LACMA thing, but uh, the Metal Years basically got inducted into a, as a classic film now. And, oh, amazing. and it was cool. accepted by the Academy Awards, accepted the fucking thing. I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I went in, I went in and saw it at the, um, at the LACMA uh, 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 theater there. And uh, it was on 35 millimeters with all, you know, with us up there speaking and all that. And 600 people had never seen it. It was with Penelope Spheres, and it was just, you know, and they, you know, they basically took the film as a film classic. And before, you know, everyone used to laugh at us and make fun of the movie and and crack jokes, yeah. you know, about, you know, the movie. But the movie was, you know, it was actually really cool and a great. She was ahead of, you know, at, uh, of the time at that, you know. Well, so I think I think if there were if there were any jokes cracked, it would just be because it's like maybe the mindset of some of those guys and the way that those are haters, across. a lot of haters. Yeah. 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 It's just like no, well, the, the haters are the ones that made us big. Just so you know, the people that hated the film were actually the ones that made this film even bigger they, than life. They were, the, they were the word of mouth. Yeah. Yeah, they were the so gasoline. They were like the fuel to the fire. They didn't realize that by then talking shit. That's yeah. where there's a four DVD set right now because uh, people want to see all that. I'm yeah. a big fan of one and two. Number one's great because it's kind of like it's the metal the years, but it's it's punk. 
Number yeah. three, just we were talking about how like like the first two were like they were exciting because they were scenes and everybody was broken just trying to make it happen. But in the third one, it was dark. There was something dark about that one that just wasn't like as fun as the first. Yeah, I haven't seen that. I know there's a fourth disc. There's a fourth one? Yes, yeah, a DVD disc. And what happened was uh, Penelope had myself, Dave Bro, her, uh, and what's his name from Black Flag uh, singer. I had to go into a studio with her and we did, you know, a lot of commentary and she was, you know, basically taking it to incorporate it into scenes that I've never fucking seen. So I'm like sweating bullets because I don't know what she's showing. And, uh, yeah. and I haven't seen the pieces of what was left over of the film. I mean, you're talking about traces of, of strips of film. What's in them? Well, you know what I mean? that, that, that's great segue. We were going to talk about it later down on our list, but right now today's you, what do you think when you look back at you in 1988? Was that 88 or 87? That was, uh, it was done actually between 86 and 87. It was, because um, they was, you know, they were taping a lot. And they were recording a lot. So, yeah, it was around there, yeah, 86, 87. So what comes to mind, like, when you look at yourself then and, and to today, like, what, 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 are your, what are you thinking? I was out of my fucking mind, dude. I was... Uh, I was living some sort of spatial planetary flight all the time. Didn't seem to calm down from it and not land, put my feet on the ground sometimes. And, uh, and I was really young and green because I came into Hollywood with no tattoos, clean, you know, just You're, you're from Pasadena. I grew up in Pasadena, yes. But I yes. also lived in Bell. I went to Nimitz Junior High School in Bell. And, you know, and, and I, the music thing transferred through all this all of this stuff that's just long and drawn out. But going back to the original thing, at, at, at that time, and I look, you know, and I think, my God, if I would have just had just a fucking little bit more guidance on just being a business person and being able to handle finances and make the right decisions, because I was hanging with the right people, I was playing with the right people, I think, but I didn't know that these people were going to go off and become multi-platinum artists. got to remember Three of the original members of Guns N' Roses were in fucking London, and everyone's got to eat that shit up and don't bury it under the ground. When I picked up that record that I sent to you, I I didn't know. I knew about there was members, uh, do, Nikki Six, uh, the three guys from Guns N' Roses. Yeah, there was three different versions of London before. It, it, it's it's crazy. So when I picked up that record, I didn't know that Fred Corey was in the band then. I'm from Philadelphia. Yes. So Fred Corey to me, like, I was like, oh, my God, I didn't even know he was in the band. Like, that's crazy. Fred like, Corey played for me when he was 17 years old. He was in Los Angeles auditioning for Rubio or Ozzy or both or something. He was there on a mission and he had yeah. he didn't get picked. They didn't want him. And I don't say it in a bad way. They just didn't pick him. You know, sure. and uh, London was right next door in the other studio. And I said, well, I need a fucking drummer. You know, and my, I have a pretty good record of picking fucking awesome drummers, you know, yeah. and uh, but, you know, I was stoked to have him because he was really fucking good. And he was really had a really, really cocky attitude. And I'm like, this motherfucker's perfect. I mean, I had Tony. I had Tony Richards from Wasp. He was no Tony Richards. You know what yeah. I mean? He was like a little yeah. fucking altar boy compared to Tony Richards. You know what I mean? <laughs> but right, I just right, right. had had Tony Richards and, you know, it just didn't work out. The party was big. We we're getting along good. 
So Freddie was perfect. He was green. He was not polluted. We loved it. And uh, we were doing an album that uh, so funny how the green guy, the new guy in town, is always the best guy to get your hands on. Well, he was he was young and he was really fucking good and badass on the drum. You didn't see him. He was just a bunch of fucking curly hair and just a gigantic drum set with double bass in it. And I had amazing sound guys. And those drums were just in tune. So did he leave London to be in Cinderella or, or just in I think it just, you know, uh, you know, he was looking for bigger. He was, yeah. I'm telling you, he was on a mission. He And he went bigger, you know? Yeah, yeah, they, they, yeah. But he went with the right people for him. He went off and did his thing with Cinderella because it worked out for him. And Destiny, that's how it works, man. Back in Pasadena, and this is just a, a random me being a, a, a rock nerd at the moment. Kenny Richards was from Kenny Pasadena. Richards, I never met him. Okay, and that was my question, if you knew No, him. I never met Kenny Richards. Um, the only people that I met, it was uh, Eddie Van Halen and uh, Alex Van Halen and Michael Anthony because they rehearsed at 1881 Las Lunas, which happens to be my friends, my best friends, my singer at the time in the cover band, Neighbor. So you could hear Van Halen rehearsing from the garage. And at the time, they just lived in that little house and they had a purple van and a, like a Fiat, small little Fiat car and stuff. And we would go in the alley and fucking listen to them. Go, oh my God, this is that shit, you know? Uh, and the reason I was asking is because like, the story be told that uh, Kenny Richards, drummer for Autograph, Pasadena, good friends with David Lee Roth, and that's how- They knew it, yeah, I'm sure that deal. the story, yeah, I've heard something about that, but I, I never met him. So you're, you're a young kid in Pasadena. Yeah. How did we go from young kid in Pasadena who's a Van Halen fan? You, I, I, so. I, I was playing drums in Pasadena. I was a drummer first. And uh, I ended up landing in a band called Exude, which was a, a new wave band. And it was like a, just bass, synthesizers, and a singer, you know, and wow. drums. Yeah. Were you singing or playing drums? No, I was just playing drums. And then okay. uh, I... I uh, that's I did my first record about you know I was about seventeen and a half you know at Rust Recording Studios on La Brea uh, the building's still there uh, and from there on I ended up meeting with someone there uh, who suggested that I should sing as you have the voice uh, you know you have the personality and uh, you know singers are needed and you should go out there and try to sing and I like fuck all that and then I got one day I got tired of schlepping gear man that was it I think yeah what was this step from growing up in Pasadena to uh, moving to Hollywood. Very and, easy. And I moved to Orange County from Pasadena. My 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 mom was working up there, and I uh, ended up meeting a band called Thunderbolt, and they were older dudes than me, and they were they were they were like they loved the Who and English rock and all that shit, and they were super tight. And uh, and I mean, I wasn't a Who fan, but I needed I needed to get my chops together. But I was dressing like all oh, in black and, and fucking the haircut, like really weird and spikes on my neck. And, you know, just like going through this metal transition, going into this dark lyrical content. And I think it, they basically said, oh, that's not what we're going <laughs> to <laughs> So I got fired. And then I ended up with another band. Uh, and that one was called Vertigo. We ended up doing a lot of they had really like a really amazing Japanese guitar player that was just insanely good. And, uh, and he wrote really good songs and he was just really fucking loud. You, you can sing, you know, when you did a gig, it was right. him. 
he was the he was the guy. Uh, and then after that, uh, you know, I had an offer, uh, uh, and I was asked uh, if I was interested in, in joining the band London. How did that? How did that come to be? It came like, to be I mean, through like- the bass player's brother, who taught, who had been suggested by Jack Russell that I should emerge to that side. And uh, you know, as soon as we met Lizzie and I, we never became separated from the first moment. Was he reforming the band at that point? Or- no, it wasn't reforming. Listen. This is the deal. I mean, I don't want to make it a long story because it'll bore you to death and there's so much out there on it. But I used to go see London at the Starwood. So I was a kid watching London. Was Nicky Six in the band when you were going to see them at the Starwood? Yes. Or was it past? Yeah. It yes, of course. Because he had Michael White singing at one point. He had Nigel Benjamin singing for him, who was in Mott. And one more guy and I can't think of right now. Oh, man, I'm getting crazy. But yeah, so he did three attempts. But... On those attempts, there was nothing really. They didn't cut a record. There was no record deal. And, you know, I, I hope that Nikki doesn't take this to offense, but I, 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 by, when I joined, when I joined London, um, it, Brian West was on the first album, second album, third album on bass. He had joined almost at the same time as us, you know, as me. And, uh, and uh, it's, Adler was like in that whole mix. You know what I mean? So when we were Steven doing Adler. that, you know, uh, it was his fourth attempt with a new singer, me, me, right? Yeah. But then I look back, and now that I'm older, and I look at the pictures, the transition from Nikki going into Molly, all he did was to take the carbon copy of fucking London, choose his band, pick his own guys, right? Yeah. Put it together. And that was it. It was just London without Lizzie. You end up, so you, he just, Lizzie and you just got along and you're like, we, we hit it off. And then we started working on the band. And then we had Steven Adler. We had Bob Welch working with us. We were going to do a record. We had a mobile unit inside the guitar center that you see on Hollywood Boulevard. I'm on on sunset. That PA section was our rehearsal room. Okay. That whole fucking room. Was our, 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 that whole building was LAX Records, guitar player bought it, but that was, that's what we rehearsed and that's where we were at. And we had a what truck fucking, in there. That's awesome. That fucking have it. If that was a rehearsal room, yes, right? Like, they had an MCI unit inside like of the truck, like a big old U haul truck, but with an MCI system in it. And we recorded there. All the bands and, you know, practicing could record. Yeah. And you have us. And then across from us, you had the uh, right in the same room because it was a massive, it was like a basketball court size place. You had the circle jerks, you know? Oh, wow. And the circle yeah. jerks were rehearsing with Flea. See, nobody knows that Flea was playing at the circle jerks for a bit. That makes sense now that he's he's in the he's in the third decline of Western civilization with the circle jerks. That makes sense uh, now. Yeah. That- yeah, back then though, no, no, you know, nobody would remember that unless Penelope put it on on film. Nobody really knew that he was actually in it at that time, and he, you know, they rehearsed in the same room as we did. We had uh, War rehearsed there too. Uh, awesome. Back then, you know, uh, so it, it was just like a mixture of different bands. Uh, the drummer for Angel, Barry Brandt, was playing in a band called Dragon's Fleet uh, with a guy named David De La Rosa, uh, and you know, some really talented players there. We're a lot of partying going on. So it was a great time for us there. Just a good know? scene. So uh, you, you mentioned there were singers before you, but you're the only singer on any album. I'm the one. guy so, uh, on all the albums. So with, with that there being no said, others. 
So you're the original. You consider yourself the original member. I, you know, you know what? If I even fucking touch that one right now, and I go, yeah, I'm consider the original. I'm the original from 1984 on up. How about that? You know. Okay. But I'm not the original from the beginning of Lizzie. So when Lizzie left, how that that puts you in a peculiar situation? That was fucked, man. I was not happy about that. I lost well, my my partner at that point. He didn't like the directions. Um, he didn't like, you know, nonstop rock for him was really heavy, you know, and that was me. That was my yeah. influence because he was stuck on that Mata Hoople, T-Rex. That's enough. I was not in that. I came from Black Sabbath, Judas Priest. And, you know, I liked, I liked challenging things. I like heavy guitar tones, detuned guitars. I like heavy chords. I like very big bass lines. I like giant drums. I don't like light. I'm not into light. But at the time, you know, that was my deal. Like I told you, I was going in this dark place, and everyone will make fun of the heavy metal back then, you know, and clown that. You know, like bands like, uh, I don't know, like uh, Slayer when they were starting. And, and you know, I mean, Metallica opened for my band, Vertigo. You know, who would have thought? You know what I mean? Uh, at the Troubadour. So it's like... All these little things that you did back then, it didn't really matter. What matters is there was a trend and there was a new thing with metal and it was growing. And guys like Brian Slagle and and Noise Records and all those guys that grabbed all the heavy bands, just grabbed all that fucking catalog and start, you know, making it happen. And look at them now. Where do you find the motivation or the momentum's probably a better word to keep going after after he leaves? Because uh, I can get another guitar player like in a snap. Yeah. yeah you know what I mean? I, mean, I, I can get guitar players. Right? They were like confetti, dude. They were just looking for gigs. <laughs> they were like all over the fucking place. You know what I mean? So, but, 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 you know, it was my partner and we wrote songs. We wrote really good. The first the first two albums to me are, you know, my, I'm very proud of them. And so was he. But, uh, I think he wanted to do it and he did 10 albums or whatever he wanted to do. And at the end of it, we were doing an album uh, prior to him dying. It was really bizarre circumstances how he just all of a sudden passed and, and we yeah. were getting ready to go to, I was ready to go to Vegas to record with him. We were going to do a, a, a London underground record It's called London underground. And I have a list that I wrote down that he gave me, uh, of the songs he wanted to do. So I'm not going to disclose that, but I'm going to record those tracks eventually. And, uh, and that aided to him. Yeah, most definitely. You know what I mean? Uh, he, he was an amazing guy. So of all the lineups of London and I'm talking nostalgia, what is your favorite lineup? My favorite lineup would be the transition of nonstop rock to don't cry wolf things were happening, money was coming in. And, and, and so that, that's, that would be Brian West, Lizzie Gray, myself, and a guy named uh, Waylon Jennings Morgan. Yeah, in your musical journey, your best moment and your worst moment. My best moment was, like I said, my musical journey was putting my first album as a singer. Um, my and worst- That's awesome, because it was on a label. It was like yeah, a, I was signed to Shrapnel. At the time, Shrapnel was yeah. pretty cool. You know, they had Paul Gilbert, yeah. they had Ingbe Malmsteen. You know, he was discovering all these great players, you know. Mm -hmm. That would be it. And then the worst, I think, it just happened. Uh, 
musically, I think that the death of Lizzie Gray really affected me. Um, that I had to see him like that and see him the way he went because he was such a great, great, great writer. And, I mean, he was really underrated. Uh, and, uh, so that was- I, I don't know if, uh, did you see him before he passed and, and didn't he die of something rare or, or something? Yeah, he had, uh, it's a disease, um, that basically of, takes his mind, you know, type of, it was a type of de- oh, a rare type of dementia or something, right? Yeah, dementia with yeah. with a uh, there's a name to it. I can't remember. Anyway, so yes, Brian and I took a drive to Las Vegas to go see him at at uh, Final Care at what is it called uh, hospice. But yeah, that was very devastating. Uh, last last quick question. For that, by the way. Yeah, that's that's. A, no, I'm sorry for that. We didn't mean to make it make it make it yeah. down like that. But. Um, Whenever you see the decline of Western civilization today, what are your thoughts on the younger you? <laughs> I wish I was young again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I like that guy. He was fun. <laughs> I like that guy. If That's you if I if I would have taken you and you out one night, you would be begging sitting on a couch to go home. I got to go home, dude. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Let's stay in touch. I would like to talk right, to you man. about that European stuff. Thank you so um, much, you guys. Yeah, thanks for joining dude. us. This man. has been amazing. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. And whatever you guys need, let me know. I'll be around. Talk You're to the you best, brother. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. All right, brother. Thanks for joining us again here on another episode of the Whatever Buddy Podcast. Thank you, Nada, for taking your time out to spend time with Ryan and I. I got to hear some stuff that I've always wanted to know. Please, if you haven't already, subscribe at all your favorite places, Apple, Spotify, all the usuals. And if you want to see my nose, YouTube's.com. It's always a fun place to be. Until next week, everybody have a great week. We'll see you next time. See you next time.